This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Up in the sky, look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 96 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good brother, the guy that runs our Twitter page, and the biggest Superman fan that I know, it's Liam. Liam, welcome to week two of our second annual Elseworlds Month This month, of course, uh, of Elseworlds cartoons being Elseworlds Superman cartoons. Oh, yes, sir. And uh, we kicked it off with the newest animated version of Superman last week with our review of the new Superman Red Sun movie. And that was uh, certainly an interesting time and certainly would invite people to go back and listen to that if they haven't at DCAUReview.com. But, uh, yeah, this week we're, we're going back, way back there, way back in time to really the first ever animated version of, of this character. And uh, it's, it's a pretty fun uh, trip, trip in a time machine back to that era and to really sort of the gold, uh, what one could consider the golden age of not just comics, but of, of animation in some ways as well. For sure, absolutely. And of course, uh, we are this week reviewing two of what have become known as the Max Fleischer Superman cartoons. Uh, We have certainly referenced these several times in our 96 episodes, more often than not, when we're talking about some of those Batman the Animated Series episodes, which uh, we'll talk about why we reference those so often uh, as we go through here. But uh, these Max Fleischer cartoons uh, are from 1941. Um, so we're covering two of them and that would be the first, very first two that they, uh, ever released. Uh, the first one, it was simply known as Superman, uh, but was also later dubbed the mad scientist. And that one debuted in theaters, uh, before, uh, some sort of movie that was released, I guess. So movie theaters would show them before, before they shown the main feature, you know, nowadays when they show car commercials and, uh, commercials for Sprite. <laughs> Um, you know, back in the day, our, our parents and grandparents uh, were watching sh- animated shorts of these this new character, Superman, that had become so popular just a couple years before debuting in action comics. And uh, Superman fever took over. So the very first one, which was dubbed Superman, as I stated, debuted on October the 26th, 1941. And then the second short that we'll be reviewing is what's known as the Mechanical Monsters. That one debuted on November 28th, 1941, putting both of these at just uh, under 80 years old here. We're coming up on the 79th year anniversary coming up in October and November, Liam. Uh, So 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. And uh, I mean, we've we've hyped these up a lot. And uh, before we get into talking about plot, before we get into to breaking these down and doing reviews for them, uh, I'd love to throw throw you in a time machine, Liam, and talk about your first exposure to these cartoons. Uh, obviously, this is well before either of our time. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we have seen these before. We've been exposed to these, and that's sort of the magic of these cartoons. And uh, as we'll talk, we'll talk as we go through and review these. But uh, give me your memories of of the first time that you remember seeing one of these cartoons. Yeah, I guess my first memories would have been. Uh, I think we talked before on the show. We didn't have cable, but our grandparents did, and so when we go over there to their house, we would turn on the Cartoon Network as often as we could, and. Uh, these shorts would play occasionally. Generally, it would be like if they aired a movie or something on Cartoon Network and it ended at like a weird time. It would end at like, I don't know, it started at 3 p.m. and ended at 4.50 and they needed yep. something to fill the, the 10 minutes until whatever show was coming on at 5 o'clock. They, they might air one of these or some other or a Looney Tunes or something like that. But that's kind of the first time I remember seeing these was just they were sort of time filler, little uh, placeholder things that they would put on uh on on the cartoon network and it wasn't really something that i thought of as being this classic old our old cartoon at the time it was just hey it's it's this little superman thing that airs sometimes and uh of course it's funny when you get when you compare this to some of the other superman cartoons you know prior to the dcau prior to the sort of modern era of animation and you look at uh, some of the Hanna-Barbera stuff, the super friends or the filmation, the new adventures of Superman and how sort of basic and low quality they are. And then Mm -hmm. you look, and then you look at these uh, incredible and obviously we'll get into more specifics once we actually review our episodes here, our shorts here, but um, just the incredible quality uh, of of these shorts for their time, especially, is is really something quite staggering. Yeah, and uh, this, I mean, it's funny that you say that. You know, looking back and and doing some research and looking at these, it's it's funny that so DC Comics was looking to make money and capitalize off of this Superman fever, and uh, we're looking to figure out ways to do that. And bringing Superman to animation was the way they went to go. So they came to. Paramount, I believe, as the story goes, and Paramount came to Fleischer Studios, and uh, which was run by a pair of brothers, and uh, they go to the one brother and ask him to do the Superman stuff, and he had no interest in doing it. So his strategy, rather than just saying no, was to come back with an astronomical, for the time, astronomical budget for each cartoon and uh, thinking that they would just turn him down and then he could, you know, he could continue to work with without really offending Paramount, I guess, or, you know, and DC, which was, I guess, national comics at the time. So without sort of just turning them down flat out, they would politely decline and go find a a cheaper studio. Well, of course, as we know, it turns out that uh, I guess some negotiations happened. They were able to, end up negotiating about half of that. Apparently the the very first Superman cartoon was a $50,000 budget, which was uh, from what I saw six times the normal budget of a, of a cartoon at that time, which is pretty, pretty crazy to behold. I think adjusted for inflation, I saw a number of something like a million and a half dollars per cartoon or something like that in today's, today's day and age for these 10 minute shorts. 
um, yeah. which of course, you know, nowadays maybe you wouldn't you wouldn't bat an eyelash at that at, at, a, at a Disney studio or something putting that out for a ten minute short. But it, thinking about this in terms of nineteen forty one dollars, that's <laughs> that's ridiculous. So of course, the rest is history. These cartoons come out, and because of their high budget and their high quality, and some of the techniques that Max Fleischer had developed, uh, you know, being able to get cartoons from a live action performance, um, he's credited with inventing a a, uh, a particular style. Uh, these beautiful cartoons were born from that. So it's you know we'll get into that as we go into our plot. But it's funny that you say that you know looking back, comparing these to ones that were later on the sixties and the seventies and, and even in the eighties, comparing them across the board, across the board, you would think that the older ones would be the more recent uh, creations as technology yeah. moved forward. But that simply wasn't the case and speaks a lot uh, about these, these particular episodes themselves. But yeah, I, I have a similar, certainly similar memory and catching these on cartoon network. And we may have even had one, get recorded on tape at some time and, and watch, watched it on, you know, repeat a few times. But um, yeah, it's, it's funny that for, you know, that would have been in the nineties. So even, even 50, 50 or, you know, 60 years later, these things were still being played on cartoon network, which at the time, you know, played its own original cartoons with some of those older cartoons at the time. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's fascinating the story of how these things came together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that that's re- the the really interesting thing is obviously Paramount being and the, and Fleischer Studios being sort of the chief animation rival to Disney at the time. And uh, Disney, while it's obviously such a treasure trove of classic animation, there was a certain style that Disney adhered to, and that quite frankly most cartoons adhere to. And when you again, when you watch these these cartoons, you know the characters aren't bouncing. <laughs> you know yep. there isn't that looped animation where they're kind of constantly bouncing up and down. Like it was, as you mentioned, uh, the the techniques they created where they would sort of tr- they would have you know they would film an an actual human being doing an action and then sort of animate and draw over top of that to create this very lifelike animation. Um, Obviously, it was it was a game changer at the time, and and then going going forward, there you look at the the impact these had. A lot of a lot of creators, obviously, were a DCAU podcast, and it's it's probably pretty well known if you're listening to this how much Bruce Tim and Eric Redon, a lot of the creators uh, who worked on Batman the Animated Series and Superman the Animated Series, uh, how much they were affected by these Fleischer cartoons. But you know. Uh, creators like frank miller and and alex ross some of the the real you know the mounts you know a lot of people's mount rushmores of comic book creators of artists and writers uh you know cite these as a uh, uh, motivation and uh and uh inspiration for some of their greatest stories so i think that really speaks to as well as not just how great they are the techniques they pioneered but also the the cultural impact they had and how they're impacting of, of some of the great creators of this, of a more modern era would go on to affect, uh, you know, would go on to affect comics as a whole and future iterations, whether that be live action or other cartoons of these characters going forward. So it's, it's kind of that domino effect and you can, you can trace back a lot of probably what 
uh, came out of modern comics and uh, and modern comic book animations to these Fleischer cartoons as well. Yeah, man, it's um, it's. I believe I I saw it a couple of different places that they are actually credited with the ones that made Superman fly as opposed to just jumping. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think the story that I read and I read it when on I can't remember where I read it. I either read it on. Um, I read it in some article, I think that was, that was talking about these, but they had actually got gotten tired of doing the motion of the Superman jump. So they just decided and sort of the jump and then the landing landing spot, they got tired of animating that. So they just decided to make him fly, which obviously that went on to impact the Superman character forever. Um, Absolutely. Because he went from a guy that just jumps, jumps tall buildings in a single bound to the dude that you'll believe that a man can fly, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's definitely some of that. And even the, even some things like the musical cues and how the, those along with the, the radio serials that were around at the time and characters like Lois Lane and Perry White and Jimmy Olsen, who were sort of minor characters in those, in those radio plays and in these, in these cartoons would, go on to become kind of the main supporting cast in the comic books themselves as well. So again, there's always sort of that thing where the the comic books inspire the, the animation or the movies or whatever. And then they, the movies and animation end up turning around and inspiring comics that come after them. So it's, again, it's a very cyclical thing. And yeah, these, these cartoons are, are, are very, very integral to, I think, to the history of Superman as a whole. I agree con- completely. Um, just for the listeners, if you're interested, these things are actually public domain, uh, which yes. is an interesting, interesting thing. And, and Liam, explain. You know, maybe if people aren't familiar what public domain is. Can you give a brief like idea of what that means? Well, basically, it's it doesn't really exist anymore. But <laughs> there was a time <laughs> when uh, uh, the government stated that after a certain amount of time, uh, copyrights intellectual properties should expire because that would encourage artists and companies that create to uh, have to innovate, make new things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thus the things after, after a set amount of time would enter the public domain, meaning that anyone in the same way that like a fairy tale, like Jack and the Beanstalk or mm-hmm. something anyone can make a version of that or, you know, a concept or a certain type of monster or something like that. Those are all, uh, those are all public domain. Anyone can take that story or that property and adapt it into their own, uh, their own thing. And for whatever reason, uh, obviously Paramount and in, uh, in cohesion with national comics at the time made these shorts and then eventually Warner Brothers had the rights to them and then basically didn't renew them along mm-hmm. with some of the filmation Superman animated uh, episodes for that I think came out in the later 60s. And they just, for whatever reason, decided not to renew the trademarks on them. And so these these shorts, despite the fact, obviously, the character of Superman is very much not uh, <laughs> in the public domain. Um, there's a, there's, and if you're, if you're really want to get real nerdy about it, there was <laughs> Disney corporation was very much involved in changing and lobbying to have copyright law changed so that things don't go into public domain. After Funny how that works. That, that set time anymore, but yeah. <laughs> um, 
and there's you can certainly uh, read up on that. But yeah, for whatever reason, these these Superman cartoons uh, ended up uh, ended up in public domain, and that's that's why you you may you may as you're listening to this remember seeing these maybe on like a a dollar bin DVD like at a at a yep. Walmart or a, even a dollar store or something. And that's why, because no one really owns the rights to them. I believe it's it's stated that Warner Brothers, uh, which of course is obviously the parent company of DC Comics, owns the original film reels now of these. Mm-hmm. But as far as just the produced versions that exist in the world, they are considered public domain. And yeah, so you can actually find all of these shorts free on YouTube. You can, or if you if you prefer the the old media, you can find them on. Uh, on discs for generally very, uh, very little amount of money. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of a cool part of this as, as weird as it is that this kind of one random piece of, of Superman media ended up in the public domain. Uh, it's, it's cool because it means so many more people will get a chance to see it and experience it. All right. Well, uh, I think we've, we've gone on long enough with a history lesson of these cartoons. Definitely encourage you, like Liam said, they're on YouTube. Um, it's 17 of them in total. Like we said, we're only going to cover the first two today. We may cover more down the line if we ever decide to do another Elseworlds month, Liam. But uh, we decided, like we said, to do the first two. Um, now, it's before we go into our, our four categories that we always do, plot, animation and visuals, music and voice, I I will pull the curtain back a little bit and say that, that it's, it's a little hard this is another one of those ones where it's a li- it's going to be a little bit hard to grade this against the normal <laughs> scale because we're talking about yes these are advanced for their time but it's a cartoon from the 40s which is very different from the cartoon in the 80s 90s or even you know 2000s right and it's as we've mentioned they they are they're little shorts they're they're not, you know, nine and a, if you eliminate the credits, it's, you know, probably nine, nine, nine and a half minutes long. And they're obviously meant to be from a story perspective. Uh, you know, they're, they're pretty simplistic. There's not a lot of dialogue. Um, so, yeah, they're as far as the actual uh, analysis of these, it is it's not quite as easy to uh, to to kind of sink your teeth into as as our our average review would be. I guess we can start getting into the the first short here. The as we mentioned, this is called Superman slash the Mad Scientist. Yeah. And do you have a uh, Do you have a Is there an IMDb synopsis for these things? I'm glad you asked, Cal, because there absolutely is one. Oh yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I will, in fact, give you the synopsis for the Mad Scientist, which was written by Seymour Knightel and Izzy Sparber, directed by Dave Fleischer with music by Sammy Timberg, and that synopsis reads as such. The Man of Steel fights a mad scientist who is destroying Metropolis with an energy cannon. There you go. I mean, it's a it's a nine-minute short. That <laughs> one is short and, and sweet and to the point. Yeah, sometimes uh, so, when, they're, when we only get one sentence out of our IMDb synopses, that's a disappointment, but uh, that does, in fact, accurately uh, describe the plot of this, of this piece here. Yeah. So as we open up, there's a there's a scene that sort of, and we'll talk about this as we go on, sort of 
things that you could see later on influences in Batman the Animated Series or Superman the Animated Series. But the very first scene, Perry White receives a letter that uh, from this mad scientist threatening that he's going to start destroying Metropolis if I think he's, he wants ransom money or something from my recollection. He just says uh, it's revenge for the, for the people who laughed at him or something. <laughs> okay. The guy Sounds got right. done in high school, and so he's going to blow up the city with an energy <laughs> gun. So the scene itself reminded me um, of one of our very, very early episodes. Can you guess what that one might be, Liam? Mm. POV, actually. Oh, okay. Um, just, just if you if you go back and you can listen to that episode in the archives at dcaureview.com, there's an interrogation scene that has the, they're sitting at this table and the light's shining down, and we talk a lot about the Max Fleischer influence in that episode. Uh, so definitely go back and look at that. But it, it reminded me heavily of that. That was the first inkling I got. I was like, even though it has it's a different, completely different setting, it's just or completely different characters. There's no police. It's three characters sitting around this card table with a light shining down on them um some great shadow work and stuff in there but uh yeah i it that that opening scene reminded me of pov anyway uh superman and uh, lois are are sent on the job and i thought this was for a, for a 1941 cartoon this is very progressive in the fact that they let <laughs> lois lois lane is like nope i'm a woman and it doesn't matter i'm going out there and i'm gonna get this story myself well fun fact about that is that you're you are absolutely right it's there's they're talking about uh, what what they should do, and and uh, Perry's like, "Hey, take take Clark with you. Go together to get the scoop on this guy." And uh, she's like, "No, I'm just gonna go." And, uh, and the original recording of the line was uh, Clark Kent says, "Don't you think this is a dangerous assignment for a girl?" <laughs> and uh, in subsequent uh, versions that have been released, they sort of cut the line at. Don't you think this is a dangerous assignment? <laughs> um, but to your point, even with that line uh, thrown it, even if that was still there, yeah, they established that, that Lois is capable, although she does immediately get captured upon arriving <laughs> at the island. Hey, but she but flies a plane, dang it. She does, which is, I mean, that's very random, but it was, yeah, she just... <laughs> She just runs and jumps in a plane and flies to this island. I guess there's an island on the outskirts of Metropolis in this world. It's where um, it's isn't that where the uh, nuclear fallout happens in Superman oh, the Animated yeah. Series? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I, it's it's canon. There's a there's an island just on Synergy. the outskirts of uh of, of Metropolis. But yeah, she goes there and gets captured, and uh, this mad scientist and his uh, his wacky. Uh, anthropomorphized bird uh, are, are uh, being very menacing, and he, begins, he turns on his giant laser, his death, his, his prototype Death Star laser, and begins attacking Metropolis. And uh, Superman, there's there's about three minutes straight where it's just Superman punching a laser. It's he awesome. gets hit. Yeah, he gets gets hit by it. And he like falls back, and he's just getting pounded into the ground by this laser. Yes. Uh, and then come, you know, of course, rises from the from the dust and starts beating the laser back. But not before the uh, is that when the laser hits what appears to, could have been the Daily Planet. I'm not sure, but a, a giant tall building. Yes, it, and it, the building begins to sway, and Superman has to come and catch it and push it back, and then it starts going the other way. So he has to catch it going the other way, 
and then he has to sort of fly up to the t- or jump up. I'm sorry, because in these these early ones, he's still just leaping, right? Uh, and he has to leap up to the top of the building and kind of steady it. So this is, I think, this was also something I know they mentioned that in in sort of in the Bible of the Superman the animated series show and Bruce Tim and and Paul Dini and Alan Burnett were making that show about how one of the things they wanted to take was to not have Superman be so impervious to mm-hmm. pain or that it's not it's not interesting and right. how the Fleischer cartoons while showing that he was still you know invincible and more powerful than a locomotive and all that jazz uh, you know it's it, and we see that in both of the shorts as we'll get to in visuals but uh, you know he, Superman kind of struggles for a minute he's not instantly invincible you know standing there with his hands on his hips T- um, that tickles yeah sh- right he's not <laughs> shrugging it off like he has to struggle and kind of fight and yeah, as you mentioned, he's getting knocked back by this laser and he really has to kind of, you know, dig down deep and and fight it off. And then, of course, he he does and he destroys the laser and, uh, you know, is able to save Lois and, and grab the scientist and just tosses him right in jail. And uh, <laughs> no trials. No, no trial needed. <laughs> yep. Speaking of authoritarian and, Superman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we uh we get a, we get uh, a nice little a, a nice little uh, recurring thing which is clark and lois discussing what has just happened and lois lois talking about oh you know this none of this could have happened without superman and then and then clark gets to wink at the camera love it breaking the fourth wall i guess we could mention really quickly just before we give our scores for the plot of this first one they also do 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 a very brief uh, Superman origin at the beginning of this first one. They yeah. uh, they show <laughs> Krypton blowing up and the rocket coming to Earth. Although they do curiously uh, choose to omit uh, the Kents. Yeah, he, he gets raised in an orphanage. Yes, and then just finds out he has powers and goes and becomes a reporter. So that that was kind of an odd. Well, I mean, the other thing I caught was that they mentioned that the planet Krypton was a race of supermen, that it was that they were fully developed. Uh, they don't mention that he gets his powers from the Yellow Sun. It's and I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember if that was established in the original co- comic that he got his powers from the Sun. If that was immediately canon, I yeah, I think that was maybe added a little bit later on. Okay. Uh, but that I thought that was something that was it's like, oh, so he had his powers because he was born on a planet where they all had powers. Um, so, yeah, interesting. But, yeah, yeah, it was interesting that they omitted admitted the Kents there. But anyway, let's let's talk about our, our plot score for this, Liam. I gave uh, episode our first episode here a plot score of five out of ten. It's fine. <laughs> um, it's right in the middle. Uh, it's a little bit goofy. There's not a lot of development of the villain of course it's nine minutes so take that with a grain of salt five out of ten what about you yep i uh, i gave it the exact same score of five, <laughs> out, of ten. five out of ten all right now now liam we'll talk about visuals and animation um as we've already alluded to several times these things are gorgeous yes and yeah, uh, way ahead of where they should have been for this time time frame yeah, and uh, it's 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 really incredible as we've already mentioned, sort of the the pioneering animation styles that were used. But yeah, even the sort of the more traditional animation 
because um, obviously they didn't they didn't have an ability to have an actual human being do most of the things that Superman does in the in this cartoon. So even the more sort of traditionally cartoony moments are 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 really quite incredible. And as we kind of mentioned, there's this sort of extended sequence where he's having to battle this this giant laser and and the way he fight he keeps getting knocked down and goes to stand up and then it hits him and he falls back down and the and he you know you see the he keeps he keeps uh he just keeps having issues with it and finally he's able to come back and he, as we mentioned he just starts punching the laser back and uh and finally uh creates it but like but even that even some of the more minor things like the some of the explosion effects they use when the laser is mm-hmm. first turned on and we see a bridge blow up and and yeah. uh like we mentioned the the building kind of swaying back and forth and you already mentioned uh, how 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 this sort how this sort of look uh, inspired Batman the animated series, but yeah, there's pretty much every time we see the Daily Planet, it's just uh, it's, it's there's not a lot of detail in the backgrounds, but there's you know the what is in, what is important to see is is very vibrant and colorful and really eye catching. Absolutely, I I think the the spot. I have a spot in each of these episodes that really stood out to me, but the spot that stood out to me as just being a gorgeous piece of animation is when he beats the laser finally back into the, like he beats it all the way back to the source and it causes this chain reaction and causing it to explode. And he comes up through this sort of, uh, the, the gun actually sort of resembles a gun that is used in the Christmas with the Joker episode, by the way, uh, mixed <laughs> with a few elements of, of hard act. Um, I thought there were some some similarities between there, but he rips open the the two sides where the I guess the the barrel of the of the giant weapon is sticking out, and there's there's sort of a like a lightning effect almost. There's a flash of lightning that happens, and he pulls these two walls aside and steps through. It was I was like, oh, that's so gorgeous! It's right <laughs> out of a comic book panel. Um, yeah, it was it was great. And uh, un- I think I think unsurprisingly, I, I gave a uh, a perfect ten out of ten for so many reasons uh, for this episode. What about you? Yeah, and I'm uh, right in that same ballpark there. I also gave it a ten out of ten. There you go. All righty, Liam. All right, let's move on to music here. Um, one of the things that we will go ahead and put out and say here is that. Uh, Back in the 40s and 30s and 50s when they did cartoons, uh, they didn't really have a lot of dead air sound. Um, (laughs) I don't know why that was. Uh, I don't know if they didn't want to pay for sound effects or what have you. But uh, there is nonstop music in this episode from the beginning of the cartoon all the way to to the end, pretty much. Uh, With the exception of when he says, more powerful than a locomotive, I think. Um, (laughs) But from the time that the Superman theme kicks into the, the end, it's almost uh, nonstop music the entire time, which it, it could have used some time to breathe. And I get it. I think it was the style of that era. But I think yeah. it could have used some 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 space to breathe. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially it's, it's at some point, and part of that is just because, unfortunately, even though there have been some remastered versions of these, the sound quality is still not great. And mm-hmm. the music is kind of the vocal tracks are not mixed particularly well compared to the music. So you, you a lot of times the music is kind of really over the top and really, uh, really going for it. And it's almost, uh, you know, so loud that you can you can kind of barely understand what the 
what the people are saying, uh, especially yeah, it's a little when, muddy. when the, when the mad scientist is talking to, uh, to Lois says after he's captured her, it's just, it's really kind of, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's just, it's just the sound, the sound quality as a whole, which obviously isn't the, the musician's fault, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just not great. But uh, that being said, I do really love this Superman theme. As we mentioned, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty iconic and it's, uh, it was in fact, after these shorts, it was eventually adapted to be the theme of the radio serials, which continued on all the way into the 1950s. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly good. And I think the music, when it works, it works really well. You know, the music swelling as Superman is, is finally in action uh, towards the end of the episode and, and saving, saving the day is, is, is well done. But yeah, I definitely think there's, there's something to, to what you're saying about how that it just, it's just going and going and going the whole time. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. Um, the Superman theme is strong. Um, I think overall though, it, it's just, it's just for that era. It's, it's very typical, but it just wasn't my, wasn't my cup of tea overall like the rest of the music i love the superman theme and i love mm-hmm. when it comes in and i love the impact that it makes um but the rest of it it's just filler that was needless to me um so i gave music a, a six out of ten what about you <laughs> i give it a seven out of ten that breaks, <laughs> that breaks our, uh, our streak here but uh yeah, okay i think like i said i think it's good but maybe just a little too much Gotcha. All right, Liam, let's move on to our final category for this first episode, and that's going to be voice acting. Uh, Not a big cast here, uh, but we do have some players that uh, have played other famous characters. Let's talk about our voice cast. Yeah, so we have uh, Jackson Beck, who plays the announcer, who is... uh, He's done a lot of... He's played the announcer in a lot of different... uh, stuff over the years including other superman cartoons and the uh, gi joe cartoons as well jackson beck is his name also okay. played the uh the rival of popeye which depending on the version you know was either called uh brutus or uh bluto but yep. uh uh yeah so a, a great veteran voice actor and another sort of paramount studios animation uh fleischer studios guy mm-hmm. and uh speaking of popeye we had a uh, Jack Mercer uh, playing the mad scientist and it's once you know it's Popeye you really cannot hear it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that uh, you, you were re- ready for him to pop out some spinach and uh, oh, good, good, good. yeah 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 <laughs> so. you definitely get a little bit of that you have, you have, uh, <laughs> you have Joan Alexander as uh, as Lois Lane um, and again it's, it's a small role but again for the time when we're grading on a curve uh, I like that this version of Lois still feels very true to the Lois Lane character, and she's still very, uh, you know, she's still very spunky and and confident despite it being 1941. Sure, absolutely. And then yeah, we have uh, we have Bud Collier uh, playing Superman, who, as you mentioned, he along with uh, Joan Alexander uh, voiced Superman, and obviously Joan Alexander voiced Lois, not Superman. Right. Um, <laughs> Um, on those uh, radio serials of the 1940s and 50s. And I think Bud Collier actually voiced Superman again on some of the filmation uh, Adventures of Superman shorts from the 60s as well. And 
the the thing that I really zeroed in on and that I remember watching these and then which also made me remember those uh, those old uh, recordings of the radio shows we got to hear growing up, which is that uh, his his whole thing is uh, much like Kevin Conroy's Bruce Wayne and Batman have have differing voice, quite different voices. Uh, Bud Collier's Clark Kent uh, is kind of just a normal guy, maybe a little bit of a higher voice. And then mid-sentence, he will shift into his Superman voice. And uh, <laughs> and as it'll be, this is a job for Superman. And uh, that's that's when you know it's on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love that. That's a, it's a classic trope. You didn't really get that in Superman the Animated Series. Like you said, certainly Batman the Animated Series. Um, you get that a lot, but uh, yeah, that that's a cool homage that they did to that certainly in in the Batman cartoon. Um, yeah, I, I think that even though, like you said, there's not a lot of voice acting that has to happen here, um, I think that the people are casted well. I think there's a, it's they they fit their their parts well, and the lines that Super, Superman slash Clark Kent, actually Superman, I don't think talks at all other than when he says this looks like a job for Superman. <laughs> and then, then it, strictly Clark Kent. Um, I, I think it's fine. There was nothing that particularly blew me away, uh, but I think it's, it's a fine, fine performances all the way around. I gave it a six out of 10. What about you? <laughs> I also gave it a six out of 10. <laughs> All right, perfect. All right, so that will bring our totals for, well, for me, uh, that gives uh, me for the first episode here, Liam, a total of 27 out of 40. What about you? I have a very different 28 out of 40. All righty, there we go. All right, well, let's move on to our second episode, Liam, which is going to be what's known as the Mechanical Monsters, as we said. Uh, So this one has a different plot, but uh, probably the same amount of dialogue or less than the first episode. (laughs) So uh, let's get the IMDb synopsis for this Superman short. Yes, and I'll I'll do my best to imitate Bud Collier's Superman as my voice changes uh, mid-sentence <laughs> as this is the imdb synopsis <laughs> superman battles a criminal mastermind and his robot army oh they sure sort of let us down who wrote <laughs> any yeah who, who wrote this one and the, the music for this one we have uh as, as according to imdb it's the exact same uh okay. credits there we have uh we have uh, the writers credited as seymour nidal and Izzy Sparber. We have a directed by Dave Fleischer, and the music was by Sammy Timberg. Gotcha. All right, so this one is uh, basically the plot of, uh, of uh, I don't know, when did drones become a big thing? Was that like 2011, 2012? <laughs> I forget when drones... Anyway, this guy gets an army of drones and uh, sends them to rob banks, and yeah. Superman, Superman has to stop them. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting in, in in that once again it's it's a very si- simple idea, you know, evil 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 man with robots for Superman to fight. But uh, I uh, and again we'll get more into visuals of it, but we they actually come up with kind of a creative way of giving Superman a bit more of a challenge in that mm-hmm. he's there at this uh, museum opening as as clark kent and lois lane is also there 
So when the robot shows up, he's not able to turn to Superman. Instead, he goes into... I thought he was going to call the police, but he calls Perry White instead <laughs> to tell him <laughs> about the scoop, I guess. Um, I hope Perry called the police. But um, <laughs> And then but while Clark is, is on the phone, uh, Lois decides to get a closer look and ends up... Uh, becoming a stowaway in these ro- in this robot's uh you know loot compartment mm-hmm. um superman has to then give chase to it we get to see him use his x-ray vision for the first time and which by the way shout out to dollar in the bad episode jar unity because uh <laughs> i guess that's the homage that they were going for we were flabbergasted if you uh if you look listen to it in the archives that's uh one of our one of our worst rated episodes of all time but yeah. uh, we're just flabbergasted by this they defeat the monsters in that episode using this x-ray vision that is looks like heat vision and we had never seen it before and uh when i watched this i was like oh he's doing the thing that they did in unity (laughs) (laughs) yeah because generally you don't really think of superman's x-ray vision as like him firing radiation out of his eyes it's not a projectile right it just sort of happens right it's not it's yeah that's one of those things you try not to think about the specifics of it too much because it doesn't really make sense but yeah here we see him definitely fire (laughs) the the x-ray radiation i guess out of his eyes and he sees super lois is trapped inside and uh he gets he gets knocked down he gets caught in some power lines and and then finally has to break free and we get to see superman versus a bunch of robots and then he he kind of comes back at the end and, and say saves the day and a lot of the specifics of this plot we'll probably get to more in visuals but uh I like this one a little bit better just because I, I liked the setup of it better. I liked, I felt like this was a more of a challenge and actually having things, physical things for Superman to punch, yep. I think were a little more fun than watching him punch energy in the last one. <laughs> I concur. Um, I think that uh, the plot... First of all, we get the maybe the first appearance, certainly the first appearance in animation of the classic Superman into the phone booth to change into the Superman costume, which we'll talk about in visuals for sure. But um, we get that and certainly that the plot itself. Um, I was actually I was actually brought back to another episode of Batman, the animated series with that very first scene. So if you recall in the Beware the Grey Ghost episode, the very opening scene of that show, um, there you hear the the buzz. There's like this, you know, Bruce is watching the Grey Ghost episode, I think, and that you hear the buzz of the the remote control cars that the Mad Bomber is using, and it's just this low hum, and you don't see what's causing it, and then it just the explosion happens. And of course, that's a major plot point in that episode is what's yeah. the buzz coming from. Um, but in this, you just hear this low hum, and it it reminded me of that. Uh, it, brought me back to that episode like oh there's this low hum and all you see is a shadow so you're not sure what it is is it an airplane it also reminded me the sound itself sort of echoes the sound that they applied to the bat plane itself in batman the animated series yeah that's that's definitely a a great point it's yeah it's interesting yeah we don't open with with uh superman or with even with clark and lois we get this little cold open as you mentioned of you just see the uh, a, a bank get broken into, and then yeah, the shadow of the robot flying away. So it's yeah, that's that was really really well done. You know, even even though it's only a 
a 10 minute short it uh, you know it builds a little bit of anticipation of uh, of of what what exactly is going on here and and what's going to go down when when superman actually gets to confront these things but uh, yeah, I, I guess we can give our plots uh, scores for plot here and, and move on to what we really <laughs> want to talk about, which is all the cool visual stuff. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I give plot six out of ten for this one. Like I said, I think it's just it's constructed a little bit better than the first one. And uh, yeah, I, I like this one a little bit better. I do not disagree with you. I enjoy this one uh, a lot better. I think that the plot uh, works. And like you said, seeing Superman actually battling these uh, 20 some or whatever it is, mechanical monsters that he has to fight. And then uh, as we'll talk about in visual saving Lois from the molten lava uh, was a great, great uh, visual also. And of course with a tight little bow on the end uh, of, you know, Lois getting the byline and, uh, you know, mentioning that it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Superman. <laughs> and Clark just uh, giving the all shucks again, kind of nodding mm-hmm. his head. Uh, so I, I gave it a seven out of 10. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's move on to visuals and animation, Liam. Wow. Um, I I don't know what to say about how great this episode is. (laughs) It's awesome. And so you mentioned that you had some flashbacks of certain episodes and two that really stick out is we mentioned that that little cold open they do when you see the silhouette of the robot flying. I was kind of taken back to on leather wings. Ah, Um, Yep. The opening to that to the very first the ever first ever episode produced of Batman the Animated Series on Leather Wings, you along with the music, you you see uh, you know, the silhouette of Man Bat flying through Gotham, Good and call. you just see you know you don't get to see the actual monster yet. You just see the the wings flapping as as he's passing by, uh, passing buildings and stuff. It's really really cleverly done and. Uh, also had a flashback to a, a specific Superman episode, and I there's I feel like he gets electrocuted a lot. Yep. But uh, I believe it's uh, in particular there's an episode where he's he's dealing with power lines, and he's as he's holding up the uh, the struck the steel scaffolding, he's getting electrocuted at the same time. I want to say that that might be the first Bizarro episode. Maybe. Um, yeah, I, know I think he is, I know he's involved in power lines in that Bizarro episode. I'm not sure if that's yep. the one I'm thinking of or not, but um, definitely you can see some of the. And again, like like we talked about in in the first short here, we get to see him. He's sort of knocked down by the robot, and he falls into these power lines, and the robot kind of gets away for a minute as he's trapped in these lines and he's being electrocuted. And we and again we get to see Superman kind of struggle and have to to work hard to kind of his kind of break each each wire individually to get free so that he can go after these robots and and save Lois and that that scene of him struggling in uh, as he's being electrocuted in the power lines is so stunning and and so well done. Yeah, that one is ingrained in my brain as like thinking about the first time. This must have been the first one that I ever saw because when I think about the Max Fleischer Superman, I literally think about him struggling as he's tied up in the in the electrical lines trying to stand up and breaking free of them. Like that's the visual that I have in my head. So uh, just an iconic image there. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of animation, beautiful animation when the monster lands uh, at the the museum where this 
pile of jewelry is on display, by the way, and talk about the pile of jewelry, uh, the mountain of jewelry. Uh, but th- they show the police there and they have these, you know, these old Tommy guns that they're shooting at the, the monsters. And it's done as, I mean, we talked about how the, their animation style of, of, of taking live action and animating over top of it that Max Fleischer, you know, was, is responsible for creating, but it's, it was done so well. Cause it looks like it's straight out of a movie. You get the shot directly at the gun barrel sort of shooting at you and looking into the, the policeman's eyes as he realizes this mechanical monster isn't stopping and he has to jump out of the way as it busts through the glass. Uh, just a great, great shot. And as I mentioned yeah. before, the, the shot of Superman's silhouette as he's, you know, changing in, in the phone booth, which would become, an iconic, certainly a trope of, of Superman going forward that played out, of course, in many, many, many other iterations, maybe most famously in the, in the uh, Superman live action movie with Christopher Reeve. But um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a Superman thing. When you think about Superman changing uh, from Clark Kent to Superman, it's probably going to be in a phone booth. So, um, you know, for uh, to see that in, in cartoon form in, in its very first iteration here is, is pretty special. But um, that and the very last, the, to me, the most visually stunning probably part of this episode is when uh, Superman finally gets in to save save Lois. He's defeated the, the mechanical monsters and he's trying to trying to save Lois. The scientist throws her down to this cavern and is going to pour this molten molten. Um, hot melted metal on top of her and Superman and Superman has to stand there and allow the metal to sort of just pour over top of him as he protects Lois. It's just, wow. Beautiful, beautiful animation. He he pulls out his cape so that not none, uh, none of the, the, the metal hits her. And it's it's just, yeah, it's it's such a, it's such an iconic uh, image. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I want to say, is this, this is. I feel like this was vaguely recreated in something live action. Uh, I don't remember Maybe. if it's Batman v Superman. Could but be, there's, but there's something where he kind of stands there with his arms out over over someone. But it's uh, that that kind of reminded me of this. But yeah, it's it's such it's such a visually striking moment. And again, the the animation itself is is again we talked about. It, it's just so fluid and. There's no, but again, it's while still feeling very vibrant and real, you don't have that sort of looped animation where people are, are bouncing up and down or sort of moving for no reason. Like everything feels very deliberate and on purpose. And yeah, the, the speed of Superman having to jump down there and then throw out his cape and throw out his arms to protect Lois, is, it's so well done. Beautiful, beautiful episode. Uh, no choice, 10 out of 10. Uh, agreed. Yeah, ten, ten. I think the thing I was thinking of is the. I think it was actually on Supergirl. Uh, they they did that with uh, okay. on one of the episodes where Superman uh, guest starred on it. They he's like there's. I think ironically enough, there were drones attacking uh, random oh. citizens, and he has to. Superman kind of stands there with his back to the drone and throws out his arms and his cape to protect citizens from it. So yeah, I'm not sure if that's what that was directly homaging, okay. but. Uh, it did. It did make Probably. me think of that as I as I was watching it. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Like like we said, this is the, both were were really fun and really and really great. But this one just had, I think, just several more single moments or, or you know more iconic images. What with him, the like we said, the him struggling with the the power lines, him him protecting Lois from the the molten metal, and then 
just the sort of simple fun of watching him <laughs> tear those robots apart. It's uh, lots and lots of fun. For sure. All right, Liam, let's move on to music here. Very similar to the first episode. I feel like maybe maybe I noticed the music a little bit less, uh, which I think is a compliment <laughs> to the second one here. <laughs> um similar obviously similar era it's the same era so music played the same sort of role and filled in a lot um but i felt like the superman theme when it comes in was very powerful uh certainly punctuates the scenes very very well especially the scene of him in the in the power lines and certainly again uh, when he saves lois from the mechanical monsters and he's going through battling the the army of monsters that are attacking him uh so i I gave it a little bit stronger in this this episode seven out of ten what about you yeah and i'm uh i'm right in that same ballpark i went six out of ten for this one so gotcha uh yeah i like i said i think it's good kind of the the same same pluses and minus that we talked about in the last one for sure all right and and our final category is going to be voice acting again. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's probably a lot of the same people that we talked about in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, literally the, the same. They only uh, they only really listed the three main actors of the piece, one of which being Jackson Beck as the announcer. <laughs> uh, the only other two voice actors who got credit in this one were, were Joan Alexander as Lois and Bud Collier as, as Superman. So... Yeah, it's it's a very small crew, and as we mentioned, there aren't a lot of dialogue here. But like I said, I again, I liked, I liked sort of Clark as Clark Kent. He's kind of standing there staring at the robots at the start of the episode, and and Lois has to like pull them out of the way, and they're like, "Hey, idiot, get out of the way! There's a giant robot coming at you!" And again, him kind of having to try to to not be Superman in front of in front of Lois or the rest of the people at the. Uh, the uh, the museum I think is fun and uh, and well done and but yeah again not not a ton of dialogue but uh, I think it's enjoyable enough yeah I gave it um I gave it the same score I gave the last episode I gave a six out of ten yeah I, I gave it seven like I said I think I just I liked, <laughs> I liked that uh I liked that uh that that exchange at the beginning of the episode between Clark and Lois I thought that was fun yeah it's it's good it's good. All right, Liam. So that will bring us to our final scores for this episode. So totaling everything up, I gave uh, the second episode a 30 out of 40. What about you? Yeah, I'm right in that same ballpark, 29 out of 40. All right, there we go. Um, and I guess now we'll talk about rewatchability, which is hard, <laughs> hard to do for this one. Um, I mean, they're 10 minute fun shorts. I've seen these probably half a dozen times or maybe more in my lifetime. Uh, I think, I guess that speaks to rewatchability that, hey, you know, if you want to watch some beautiful animation, you want to get some good Superman uh, action, and you don't want to invest a lot of time. Uh, pull up YouTube and watch these. Yeah. I think, I think because of the ease of accessibility that we talked about at the top of the show, these are definitely worth checking out. If you've, if you certainly, if you've never seen them, but, uh, or if you've just, it's been a while since you've watched them. Um, yeah. Just, just for the visuals alone. Um, it's, it's worth taking a look at. And like we said, it's, it's not a big time commitment. So yeah, I would say I would give these a thumbs up. Cool. All right, Liam. Um, well, that will bring us to the end of our episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for this week. 
Uh, we thank you for checking us out. Don't forget, as Liam said, you can check out last week's episode in the archives at dcaureview.com or on your favorite podcast app. You can check out our review of Superman Red Sun, which just was released from Warner Animation. So the most recent Superman animation we reviewed last week, as Liam said, we bookended it here with the oldest iteration of Superman animation. So definitely check that out. Don't forget to follow Liam. He runs our Twitter page at DCAU Review. You can also follow us on Instagram at DCAU Review. Liam, we have a Instagram giveaway contest that we're doing. We're trying to give away the 2020 Hot Wheels Bat Plane. Uh, we need, as of today, as of recording time, we need 75 followers to get to 300. Once we do that, we'll select one of our followers to win that Bat Plane. We also have an exciting Twitter contest we're running as of today, aren't we? Yes, uh, so we're actually giving away, we have a little uh, Superman keychain that we'll be giving out in honor of Elseworlds Superman Month. And to enter that contest, to make it real simple, all you got to do is head to twitter.com, follow us at DCAU Review. Once you're following us, all you have to do is retweet our pinned tweet. It will be a tweet about this episode that you're listening to right now. Uh, all you got to do is retweet that and you're auto- and follow us and you're automatically entered to win. That's right. And you, uh, it's a very Max Fleischer-esque Superman keychain. So we're celebrating Superman month with uh, different iterations of Superman, but excited to give some stuff away. We love the, our fans. Thanks for following us on social media. If you already do, uh, just give that uh, the old retweet and uh, you'll be entered to win. Uh, thanks for all of our new listeners. You know, we've picked up some new ones recently. We love you guys. Thanks for checking us out. Don't forget, if you have time, leave us a five-star review if you can on whatever podcast app that you listen to us on. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, and tell your friends about this podcast because uh, we would love to get more people, more ears on the product. Liam, before we go, can we talk about next week's, week three of Elseworlds Superman? What are we going to be talking about next week? Yeah, so next week we are returning to a show we've actually talked about a couple of times before, including last year in our Elseworlds Batman month. We are returning to the world of the Batman, the Brave and the Bold cartoon, and we will be reviewing the first Superman episode that was ever featured in that series. That episode is, of course, called Battle of the Superheroes. Awesome, man. I, uh, I I think we've mentioned on those episodes, we've done two episodes of that, uh, of course, from producer James Tucker, who worked on Justice League and some of uh, Batman Beyond, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so from his world, I've enjoyed, I have minimal exposure to that, but I've enjoyed sort of the, the, the love letter to the Silver Age that that is. So I, I look forward to seeing the inclusion of uh, one Clark Kent slash Superman into that world. Yeah, that's definitely going to be fun, and uh, that'll that'll be just yet another one. And after that, we've still got two more weeks left, so excited to review Batman the Brave and the Bold's version of Superman next week, and then look at a couple more versions uh, to finish out the month. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, we'll look forward to that. We'll be excited to kick that off with another episode next week in our Elseworlds month. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on that next episode of the DCAU Review. Goodbye. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. 
this amazing stranger from the planet Krypton, the Man of Steel, Superman. Empowered with X-ray vision, possessing remarkable physical strength, Superman fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice, disguised as a mild-mannered newspaper reporter, Clark Kent. <laughs> <laughs> 